is the Sphira. The town of Tzfat, where I live, is having a renaissance these days. From being a sleepy little town nestled in the hills of the Galilee, it is fast becoming a place where many people come looking for the Kabbalah. It's a town where many artists and musicians have made their home, inspired by its connection with spirituality. Indeed, many of the artists who live here produce original works of art inspired by their studies of the Kabbalah. However, the visitor, who sees the external manifestation of this art, but does not know the background behind it, often gets a misleading impression. He gets the idea that the ten Svirot described in the Kabbalah are an attractive arrangement on a page, or that they represent specific entities. These misunderstandings are not helped by literal translations of the names of the Svirot into English equivalents that seem to suggest that the Svirot are representation of specific virtues. But the pictures and charts that we see in Svat and on the internet do nothing, in fact, more than describe in a two-dimensional form an aspect of relationship between different vessels of consciousness for the goodness of God, called in the Kabbalah the light. To put such diagrammatic representations of the Kabbalah into perspective more clearly, we need to ask, what is a Sphira? A Sphira is actually the most delicate or subtle of vessels that hold the light of God. They receive their light within the souls of the Tzaddik, the human who is in Devekut, unity with the Holy Blessed One. How are the Sfirot formed? The Holy Ari, the 16th century Kabbalist, from Tzfat, taught in his work the Eitzchayim as follows, and I'll read it first in Hebrew. Da, ki terem shenetzlu hanetzalim v'nivru'u hanivra'im haya ore lion pashut memalei kol hamitziyut. A literal translation of these Hebrew words would read, Know that prior to the emergence of the vessels with their light and the creation of the created beings, there was one simple high light filling all reality. Rabbi Ashlag, the great Kabbalist of the 20th century, and in many ways the spiritual heir to the Ari, wrote a detailed commentary and explanation of the Eitzchayim in his work The Study of the Ten Sfirot. He tells us that the language of the Kabbalah is not equivalent to our spoken language. Even though it uses the same words, the Kabbalists' use of language is based on the fact that everything in this world has its origin in the spiritual worlds above. Thus it uses words which represent entities familiar to our world, but actually intending their spiritual roots. This is why straight translations of the Kabbalah into English, or indeed into any spoken language, not only don't work, but are actually misleading. The language of the Kabbalah is thus termed the language of the branches. It was this decoding of the language of the Kabbalah that was one of Rabbi Hudelev Ashlag's great contributions. He made it possible for people to learn the Kabbalah directly. In previous times, one had to have the spiritual stature of a tzaddik to be able to penetrate its language. So in order to translate the sentence that we read from the Eitzchayim correctly, we now have to translate from the language of the branches into our spoken language. In the language of the branches, the terms before and after mean cause and effect. We also have to know what is the meaning of the word light, and also the meaning of the term vessel, 
and what the term created being refers to. Rabbi Ashlag teaches us that the term, the light of God, means all God's goodness, his bounty. It is the source of life, pleasantness and happiness. The desire of the light is only to give of itself to the created beings. It was this desire that gave rise to the vessel for the light. The term vessel meaning the desire to receive this goodness. The vessels for the light, that is the desire for this goodness, emerge together with the light itself. Subsequently they separate. And when they are separated, the vessels become created beings. That is, beings that are characterised by their desire to receive all God's goodness. Their fullest expression is thus realised when they are empty of light. So the terms light and vessel refer to the goodness of the Creator that emanates from the One Essence and the desire to receive that goodness. If we want now to translate the opening sentence of the Ari from the language of the branches to our everyday speech, it would now read, Know that the cause of the emergence of the desire for this goodness was the simple goodness of the Creator itself. In other words, it is the goodness of the Creator itself that provokes the desire to receive the goodness. This desire to receive the goodness is termed the vessel for the light and is called in the Kabbalah the Malchut. In the consciousness of the Ein Sof, that is the infinite, the consciousness that underlies all other consciousness, the goodness of the Creator and the desire for His goodness are in complete harmony, complete unity, which is known as Dvekut. According to the scripture, Hu Ushmo Echad, He and His name are one. Where He refers to the light, that is God's goodness, and His name refers to the vessel, which is the desire for His goodness, and they are one. As we've said, in the Ein Sof, the goodness and the desire for it are in perfect unity. Yet a development happens from the part of the vessel. This development is described by the Holy Ari in these words. And again, I'll read them first in Hebrew. V'ka'asher Allah b'yotsono ha'pashut l'ivor ha'olamot u'la'atzila ne'etzalim and the literal translation would read, And then his simple will ascended to create the worlds, and to create the created beings, to bring to light the perfection of his works, his names, and his attributes, for this was the reason for the creation of the worlds. The clue to what started this process is contained in the words His simple will ascended. Ascent in spiritual matters implies coming closer in form to the Creator. Since the goodness of the Creator is all-giving, 
So the vessel, which is the desire for his goodness, wanted also the same form of giving. That is, it wanted affinity of form, which in spirituality gives rise to unity, or dvekut. So even though the vessel and the light were already in dvekut, in the mystery of the Ein Sof, nevertheless, to its desire to receive all the goodness, the vessel added a further dimension of consciousness. It now wanted to give, just like the goodness gives. So, from the simple unity of the Ein Sof, a development occurred. This development was from the side of the vessel and is termed the Tsimtsum, the word Tsimtsum meaning contraction. That is to say, the desire for the goodness contracted itself. In reality, the vessel is not able to lessen its desire to receive because that is given to it by the light, by the goodness of the Creator itself. It is, however, able to choose not to use it. We can understand an idea like this in our own lives. If we go on a diet to lose weight, we do not suddenly lose our pleasure in eating chips, for example, but our desire to be healthy supersedes that of the pleasure of eating chips, and so we choose to refrain. Even though our love for chips remains intact, our desire for health overlays it. Similarly, the vessel did not lose its desire for the light, but it chose to abstain from receiving the light. This was the first step to becoming a giver, like the goodness itself. When the vessel for the Ein Sof, which is the Malchut, decided not to use its will to receive the goodness, the goodness left. This is because the desire of the light, which is the goodness, is to give pleasure to the created beings, and therefore it won't force itself on where it's not wanted. There can be no pleasure in compulsion. This left the vessel with its desire for the goodness empty. Now for the first time, this vessel, this desire for God's goodness, was able to truly discover the full extent of its longing for the goodness of the Creator. When a desire is instantly fulfilled, as was the case in the Ein Sof before the Tsimtsum, it cannot develop to its fullest extent. Now that the vessel is empty, it can now also appreciate the stages of consciousness which form it, which go into forming this desire for the light. Since the desire for the light emerges from the light itself, and the light and the desire for the light are mutually opposites, we find they cannot emerge one from the other in one single step. In fact, the sages teach us that there are four stages from the goodness of the Creator, which is the light, until the full establishment of the desire for his goodness, which, as we said earlier, is called the Malchut. These four stages of consciousness exist in every desire for the goodness of God, both large and small. They apply, whether we're speaking of the totality of creation from its beginning to its end, but they also apply when discussing the most minute aspect of creation. It's a holographic universe. 
These different myriad desires in all their manifestations make up the array that we call the creation. These four levels of consciousness that make up the building blocks for all the desires for the goodness of God, all the vessels, are what are termed in the Kabbalah the Sfirot. The term means shining ones. This is because even though after the Tzimtzum they are lacking the light, nevertheless they do retain an impression of the light that they had. The Kabbalah term for this impression is Rishimu. Like a memory, the Rishimu keeps the desire for the specific form of the light it once had alive. However, after the Tzimtzum, these vessels, the Svirot, can no longer receive the goodness that they yearn for directly, as they did in the Ein Sof, because they, being aspects of the formation of the Malchut, the vessel of the Ein Sof, they are bound by its decision to prefer giving to receiving. Only when the Malchut completes its desire, by coming to the stage of receiving the goodness of God, only when it's able to do so for the sake of giving, which is a further step following the Tzimtzum, do the Svirot regain the light they once had, and then they shine, being now vessels no longer simply receiving the goodness directly, but having acquired affinity of form with the Creator, with the light itself, and thus able to receive the light for the sake of giving. These Svirot are represented by the four-letter name of God, which we don't pronounce. We just say Hashem, the name. They are represented by the four worlds, Atzilut, Briah, Yitzirah, Asiyah. They are represented in the four elements of the world to receive, which exist in every spiritual world as well as in our physical world, which are the inanimate, plant, animal and speaking aspects of each world. They are represented in the different names of God in the Bible. They are represented in the letters of the prayers. And they are represented in our souls. They are as fundamental to the vessels for receiving the light of God as the letters of the alphabet are for language. The four main Sfirot are called Chochma, Bina, Tiferet and Malchut. Their root is called Keter. They are often, however, referred to as the tenth Sfirot because Tiferet contains six stages within itself. Each Sfirah, used in combination with the others, manifests in myriad different ways in different spiritual entities and in the different spiritual worlds. More important than learning the names of the Sfirot is to learn how we can bring the light of God into our lives. This can only be done by fulfilling that original contract which the Malchut of the Ein Sof, from whom we spring, first made in the Tzimtzum, when it decided it wanted to give rather than to receive. Giving unconditionally to our fellow man or to the Creator is actually the most important thing any of us can do. It is what brings us tremendous life and goodness that is the heart and root of all creation into our own private worlds and into the world of all God's created beings.
This audio recording is brought to you from the Horus School, established by Yadita Cohen for the study of the Kabbalah as taught by Rabbi Hudelev Ashlag. Studies with Yadita Cohen are available through the Nahoas School online. Details at www.nahoaschool.com or www.nahoapress.com.